from the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. I'm Scott Armstrong, and it's great again to be right back with you. And it is exciting. that We're going to talk about something that I think is going to provoke a lot of good discussion. But first of all, we are a podcast that deals with missions, culture, healthy church, and much more. And I need to introduce a few people. To my right, AJ Fry. Hey, guys. To his right, Natalie Franco. Hi, guys. To my left, Emily Armstrong. Everyone. And to her left, Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, there are parts of the continent of Africa in all four hemispheres. Whoa. Oh, I'd never have thought about that. Yep. And good on you for calling it the continent of Africa. You're welcome. I did that for (laughs) everyone else's benefit. Yes, yes. It's not a country. So So the eastern and western hemisphere separates somewhere in Africa. Yeah, like the Horn of Africa. Oh, wow. Interesting. I wonder if they have a place that's like the four corners of the world or something. Oh, you know, like cool. can you oh. go to a place where it's like here's yeah. where the parallels happen? In the middle so, of Ethiopia or something? <laughs> or perpendiculars, the, I guess, yeah. is what it would be. That's <laughs> where the garden is. The image is isn't found. super right. clear. So I the website that I get my fun facts from isn't accurate image wise. Mm. So their ed- their education is good. <laughs> but I, th- I'm intrigued always that about is, geography yeah. it, and stuff. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. I'm, I want to look into this more. That's it, awesome. It covers nearly 12 million square miles. Whoa. Wow. Oh, Africa. In yeah. I was like, the hemisphere? Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not very big. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is much bigger than the normal, I think this is becoming common knowledge now, but then the normal uh, maps that we always grew up with, yeah. uh, at yeah. least in, in the United States and much of the West. So uh, it's huge. It's huge. So, um, well, let's pray for our region. Well, Africa is its own region. And uh, honestly, we're kind of, uh, we've already started in previous episodes talking about the new year and where we're going. And we're kind of on the same theme right now. We're talking about uh, some questions that we need to ask as leaders. In fact, we're going to take really our discussion um, from an article by Carrie Newhoff, and that was found at carrienewhoff.com. And I won't spell it, but it'll be in the show notes. Uh, it's, not, it's not what you think. Let me put it that way. It's not, not spelled the way you think. Um, but he had an article titled Five Simple Questions About the Future Every Leader Should Be Asking Right Now. I read it and I was like, this is awesome for a podcast. So let's kind of talk about that. Uh, first of all, before we kind of say what the five questions are, um, does this concept uh, grab your attention like it did mine? It was interesting, like at the, at the beginning before he lists the questions that w- one should ask. <laughs> he says, the quality of answers depends on the quality of questions. And that stood out to me. It was like, Yes, that's so true. I'm always trying to rephrase my questions so I, so it's not so you're not obligated to give me a yes or no answer because I like deeper answers, right? And so I need I need dialogue, I need conversation. <laughs> and so that that just stuck out to me also because my mom always says if you ask stupid questions, you're going to get a stupid answer. <laughs> that usually comes on the heels of I'd ask her what she's doing. She's obviously cooking, cooking. dinner or something. <laughs> yeah. And she's like 
oh, I'm riding an elephant. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you are not. She says, you ask stupid questions, you get stupid answers. There you go. Well, it's, and it's intriguing. A lot of times people think as that we as Christians should be the people that have the answers, right? Right. But this really, this article really intrigued me because it was like, sometimes we aren't asking the right questions mm. as Christians. We need to be curious people. We need to ask good questions. And I think these were some good questions. So um, let's kind of jump in. The first question that uh, Carrie Newhoff identifies that any leader should be asking about the future is how much of the current change is permanent. I'll say that again. How much of the current change we're seeing, and there's a lot of it is permanent is going to be sticking with us. I think that's a great question to ask, especially if you're in leadership. But I think in any phase of life that you're in, um, children, youth, adults, <laughs> leaders, you know, I think about um, we've got kids that are in school right now and how much of this change that they've been through is becoming a permanent way of education, you know, um, how much of church life is becoming a permanent way. The article itself starts out um, after this first question, how much of the current change is permanent? Newhoff says people in the midst of a revolution often don't realize they're in the midst of a revolution. So true. Mm. And um, I think that's why this question to me was so worthy of highlighting because I think it makes us step back constantly. Like even if you asked this question every week, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and said, so what am I still doing today that like I started doing 18 months ago and I'm still doing today? Probably that's an indicator that it's becoming a permanent part of the way we do something, whether it's um, ordering our groceries online or uh, when Tons of people get sick in our school. We close down for a week and we go to online learning or, you know, whatever that permanency is starting to become. And I think it's an important question to ask, um, I think especially in church realms, because I wonder if we're asking it enough. Um, and I say that in the way of what I've seen, and I know I'm not observing everything, right? Because I'm a very limited person. However, I feel as though there's a much broader conversation around a church being back to what it was in 2015 or 2016 or whatever. And um, I, I don't know that we're asking ourselves enough of what are some permanent things that are changing and how does our church need to permanently change in order to facilitate. Um, I know I've invoked the name of Dr. Crocker on this podcast before, but he's one of the first people that I heard very early in the pandemic that literally saw all of this as a way that God was allowing our church to finally become a church that meets the digital age uh, people, that we're moving into this new way of thought. It's digital age. And like the church hadn't moved there yet. And we weren't willing to move there. And I remember he did um, uh, either a workshop or a, a preaching message that I heard. And he literally was just encouraging the church to continue thinking about reaching the digital age. Because as we have younger people, younger and younger people, that that's the way they connect through digital means that um, we as the church need to figure out how to be there as well. So I hope that's some of the permanent stuff that is starting to take place, but I don't know that I see it as much all over the world. I see it in certain pockets maybe, but not all over the world. Well, yeah. How much of the current change is permanent? I mean, I, I think Chelsea, you'll remember um, pre pandemic, we didn't necessarily have any meetings 
all together as our coordinators. I don't know if you remember that. I wasn't a coordinator before the pandemic. Well, that's a permanent change. That's, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So I know one change uh, for us that will be permanent. I always had a difficult time um, really meeting with all of our people. Uh, I, I have We have coordinators in Mexico, Haiti, uh, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, um, Guyana, and Trinidad and Tobago. Oh my goodness. Time Times are different, time zones, all this other stuff. Everyone's busy. Um, during pandemic, it was like, all right, we're meeting and we're meeting every two weeks. And that has been so fruitful, so good. And I've been very, it's, it's been a conviction of mine. We'll only keep it to an hour. We'll keep it to an hour. We have to do that. And, uh, and I can't imagine going back that we, we are more a team than we ever have been before. And so that might be one, one example. Um, number two, the second question that we should be asking as leaders about the future is what do I now have permission to stop doing? I think that's so good. Not just, Hey, what should I be doing? No. What do I have permission now to stop doing? Does that grab the attention of anyone else? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. And I really like the way uh, he was saying in his article, he said, uh, very often uh, when we go through a big change, we will change a lot. And if ever there was a time to change what was not working, this is a time. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I was like, yes. Yes, this is a time, but also, like, um, I was also thinking that uh, to think about what to stop doing, we have to think about uh, self-evaluation. Mm -hmm. um, to Like, we cannot stop, we cannot take that away. I think it's really important, because then, then we're going to just stop doing everything, stop doing ministry, stop doing, no. Yeah. And God's word needs to keep working, keep moving on. Um, so I think that it's really important to evaluate. And I will respond also with another question. Is the church evaluating like, very often mm -hmm. to answer that mm -hmm. question? Mm -hmm. um, and also... Um, will say that sometimes it is not necessary to stop doing, but renew the way we were doing it. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a huge one. I think this, if, like you're saying, this evaluation piece. Like there is not enough evaluation in the church, in my opinion. Um, that's something that we could do better: is evaluate ourselves, evaluate the church, evaluate church culture. Even um, he goes on to talk about like redefine normal what is normal you know because we keep saying oh we want to go back to normal we always want to go back to normal we had a podcast about this several episodes ago about going back versus moving on you know and that's it's the same it's this same concept going back versus trying something new now's the time to try something new you know when everything's up in the air and you don't know what's going on try something new you know what's What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to lose the people you already lost. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's that's hard, but it's real. And sometimes, sometimes it is hard to 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 move on from things that that have been so ingrained in church culture and speci specifically. And my question that I always come back to is: so he he talks about like focus on the mission central things or the mission critical. Like, what is the vision? What is the purpose? of the church, you know, and the question I keep asking myself and others, the church globally, our traditional services, the service that we used to do before the pandemic, are those mission critical? 
is the building mission critical? You know, and these, these are hard questions. And for a lot of people, the answer would be yes. You have to have the service the way it's always been. Yes, you have to have a building. I kind of want to push back on that a little bit and say, maybe that's why the, ch- the church is dying, you know, is because we consider those things critical that aren't critical. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I think he's trying to provoke. You know, honestly, as churches, there are so many things that we think is just that's church and it has to be there. And, right. and if Jesus himself said it, and you're like, I don't think actually Jesus himself did say <laughs> that we right. have to have three songs and then go into the, you know, it's right. like there's so much stuff that can be reevaluated. And that means not just adopting new things, but say no to other things, you know, and that's freeing. It can be freeing, but we have to, oh man, it's easy as leaders to say, we'll do this, but I know that we're going to get some pushback from some people. However, I will say we may get less pushback now that we haven't been doing a lot of things for many, many, many months. Right. So that leads us to number three, the third question we should be asking as leaders, what would I do if I was leading a startup? Mm. Ooh, I liked this one. I, I like this one too. It's a question I often ask myself just to kind of get myself out of the box. I have a really bad habit of putting myself in a box, putting ministry in a box, putting the church in a box. And mm-hmm. so I, I often ask questions similar to this. Like if this was brand new, if there weren't any, any of these quote unquote rules of how to do it, what would I do? You know, and it's such a, it's such a missional question too, because it's, it forces you to kind of, open your eyes and observe and take notes of like, what is the surrounding area like? Um, and what, where's the need, you know, and how do I meet that need? If, if there's no rules or regulations on me, how do I meet these needs? If there's no preconceived notions or expectations, how do I meet these, these needs? And to me that, that also speaks about, you know, adaptability. That's, one of my top five strengths and strength finders is adaptability. And so that comes easier for me, but for some other people, for a lot of um, pastors that I've talked with, it's not, not that easy, but this question, I like this question. If I were a new startup without any expectations or regulations, what would I do? It gives me freedom to start new, to like broaden my thought process. Right. I love that question. Well, in church planning, that's crucial, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of times we think we're going to come into it and we already have to have this and this and this. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think those are important things. Eventually, you do need a core group and you need a purpose, vision statement and different things like that. But, like, there's a lot of freedom in just saying we don't have anything. I mean, what could a church service look like? What could... What could meeting together look like? What could my leadership structure look like? You yeah. know, and, and and I don't know, Emily, uh, you were I think intrigued by this question as well. Uh, did anything come to your mind when you were thinking about, uh, hey, a startup, but but in a church context? Yeah, I think one of the things that he pointed out was that made my mind start moving just a little bit. Is he literally said, like, what if you were going to start a restaurant right now? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you focus on? You wouldn't focus on this beautiful dining room. You'd probably focus on a really great patio because people are needing to eat outside. Mm-hmm. And it's what made me think about, okay, well, if we were going to reconstruct what we believe um, meeting together is then as the church, you know, if we were to say, well, 
The building's not mission critical, uh, but we do believe that meeting together is mission critical, you know? So like, how, how do I accomplish one? And I, you know, can speak as a former church planter and even sending church planters that when you don't have that solid space that is yours, um, life gets really hard and people get really tired of working, of setting something up and tearing it down, or uh, people won't come because it's under a tree and that's weird, or you don't have <laughs> comfortable seats to sit in. And I mean, all of that is a part of why we have some of the things we have nowadays that is like church structure, you know, and it made me think about, well, if I were starting again, I, I do think I would start maybe in like public open air spaces just because that's the world that we're living in right now. I feel like you uh, wouldn't be endangering people's health and, you know, you would be able to have kind of this presence, but you'd have to work alongside community leaders and government and get licensing in some countries and, you know, stuff like that. And so it requires a lot of work even to do some of that stuff. But um yeah, I think uh, thinking about new ways, if I truly would be like, what is the best way to meet together or what is the best way to to outreach in my community or what is the best way right now, like looking at 2021, 2022, wherever I'm at, um, what would church look like as it's born? And I do think that there are some things that God's starting to show us, you know, that, that a church can be successful in different ways. And I think that's crucial. Like some people would be like, well, if you start making these decisions during COVID and then when there's not COVID, right. You know, like what, what are you thinking? no, the author is talking about like, it might be actually better missionally to just go outside. Right. Yeah. You know, it might actually (laughs) not just be a COVID thing. Right. It might be something that needed needed and needs to happen, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, So, so as a startup, you start thinking about, well, how could, how could we do this better? And that reminds me of a congregation that we were, I was talking with a leader when we were on home assignment and she was telling me, oh, at the beginning of the pandemic, like we did the um, things in the parking lot and there were actually neighbors that came and were a part of it. And I was like, oh, are you still doing that? And she goes, oh no, because we were able to come back into our building, (laughs) but like the neighbors weren't coming into the building, you know, because I was like, I don't really know where to go with this conversation because like she said it like so like confidently, you know, I was like, I feel like you're missing something here. But I think there's a lot of churches. It's a funny story, but I think there's a lot of churches that did the same thing. They saw something like that God was growing and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, but let's go back to comfortable instead of, you know, what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think one line that the author has in, in the article, um, he's a speaker and he says, we, for me, we've written in-person speaking out of our future plans indefinitely. Wow. At this point, it doesn't matter when in-person speaking at events will be feasible again. It doesn't matter. We don't need it. Mm-hmm. And to me, so my background is business and you always want to create a business plan that is not contingent on a situation. Mm-hmm. And so like, Example would be he makes a business change that just depends on as long as they're not doing in-person speaking, but that is always going to be our bread and butter in-person speaking. When we get the chance to go back to that, we will go back to that. That's not a good business plan. Mm. (laughs) The better business plan is to swing all the way to the other side and say like, okay, we can't do that. It can't be our bread and butter anymore. We've got to figure out a new, a new core identity. Um, 
And so the church can apply that. Absolutely. It's not just a business concept. What are the things that we can't do right now that we could shift and it could become a permanent piece? Just like, like that radio in the parking lot church. Right. Right. It could have become permanent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you would have reached more people. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. instead of it being like, remember those four months when we reached a lot of people? That, that was not. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was really fun. Glad we're not doing that anymore. Uh, it's like, you were telling that, and we were kind of laughing, but I also was, like, pained to mm-hmm. the core. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. my goodness, we missed an opportunity. Um, the fourth question is, where are we seeing real momentum? And I would ask you guys, where are you seeing real momentum? And and you need to say, let's double down. Let's keep doing it. So the way that I have seen that in the church in the midst of the pandemic specifically is in youth ministry. Mm. They are knocking it mm. out of the park. These these technology natives have figured out a way to have genuine connection. Like I think those of us that are not natives to technology, like it, we've had to learn it. We think that there's no ability to have genuine connection through a screen, but our youth have figured it out. They know each other. They like each other. They talk to each other constantly and it's all digital. They've never met in person. Like we did the school of leadership on our field. And so we mix and match. It was a whole puzzle project on my wall. Um, of different countries. Like we had, we had students in Costa Rica and I made sure they weren't all the Costa Ricans together. And I made sure all the Dominicans weren't all together. And so now the like fallout of that is that my Dominican students have friends in Costa Rica and the, the course is over. So do you just lose connection after a six month class? No, like they have each other's WhatsApp and they're talking to each other and they invite each other. We're having a get together and, and they, one of the, one of the kids asked us, can we do a Zoom so that people from other countries can come to the party? No. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, well, we. I, my answer should be yes. Like we, <laughs> we, we've created these bonds and you want to hang out with your friend. And like, even though it's through a screen and it won't be as fun for that person, like we should still make space for them, right? <laughs> Everyone's us. making... Cookies and, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can watch We're us. Eat the cookies in front of them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a little awkward, but like yeah. the relationships don't have to end. No, yeah. right. And so trying to tap into that um, multicultural, multi-dimensional friendship ability, the like fellowship that happens through technology, I think is is a piece that we should run with. Mm. Um, it's not ideal, in my opinion. I do, I do believe in in-person relationships, but like, I know not that you have connections in Puerto Rico and all over the place, mm-hmm. and so you you're like nodding your head this whole time. Yep. You understand the the ability that gives you to make friends with people all over the world. It's super cool. And the final question then is, how will I find a sustainable? pace. I know this resonated with you guys. Like Mm. the other stuff is like, what should we change? What Mm. should we give up? What should we do? You know, and what would we do if we were a startup? But this one's more kind of, kind of personal, right? How will I find a sustainable pace? What do you guys think? This to me just screams Sabbath. I keep reading things like this and hearing people talk and, um, it's just like, we need more Sabbath. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we need to, we need to practice it more, make that a part of our, our regular routine. I, I don't, I don't, if we, if we as a global church 
practice Sabbath more um, and more intentionally, I don't think this would even be a question because it'd already be a piece of our our rhythm, you know, it'd already be a piece of our life. Like we are already, you know, not overbooking ourselves. We are already resting like we should. And um, just the fact that this is a question, one of the top five questions uh, speaks a lot. Like we need to rest more. We need to we need to learn to say no to things, um, even though they may be good things, but it's it's taking us away from doing great things. And um, I'm, to me, that's just to me this just screams Sabbath. I think a lot of things can come back to <laughs> come back to the Sabbath practice, um, but this especially. I I think just to add on to that, I also agree with you. Um, we were on home assignment, and so this podcast knows very well. AJ and I have been pra- trying to practice Sabbath for like two, three years now. And, um, we, uh, home assignment is insanely difficult to practice a consistent Sabbath. And we knew that going into it. And we just took it as a season of like, we find Sabbath when we can find it. And, but it's because we've practiced it for three years that we can have that mentality and actually find rest. And what we found super interesting, and this goes back to the article when we don't get stressed out about the pace of life, because we know that God can do more in six days than we can do in seven, right? That's the idea of Sabbath. It freaks people out. Mm -hmm. Like the families that we stayed with, our own families, the churches that we, that we interacted with, when we like worked in this pace, that's just consistent, but not rushed because we've practiced it's like they didn't know what to do with us. <laughs> when we weren't freaked out about our time management, they didn't know what to do with us. Ooh. And so to me, our, our world, like we're, we're running a pace that's not sustainable already, yeah. pre-pandemic, mm-hmm. pre-issues, mm-hmm. just in general, society says we have to run a pace that's too fast. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of, of saying, no, I will not do that, is to me a kingdom mentality that we have to have of this idea that I am resisting the urge to fold into culture, the the resistance to like run the rat race, right? Like, um, I I think that to me because the author talks about how vacation isn't enough, mm. vacation mm. isn't enough, mm. a weekly rhythm of resisting urgency yeah. is what it's going to take. I'm just thinking now that I need to practice. <laughs> I gave you a book. I know, and I was reading that. Uh, I stopped. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't have time for it. <laughs> the irony. But I'm going to continue. I promise. Uh, but um, yes, I completely agree with that. And something that I can say is, yes, um, like I've, I can confess, I must confess, there are days that are that are taking more than I can give it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just, woo, like really overwhelmed of the way the world goes. And I'm completely agree with what he says sometimes to take one day of rest or like to try to, to relax, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. And I really like um, his, what his suggestions. He said, get enough, not sleep, eat well, exercise, and cultivate life-giving friendship. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I'm doing that it's 
have been really helping me, and I can say, try it, you will see, is um, enjoying everything that I'm doing for God. Yeah. Wow, that changed That's everything. Good. I can say, mm. if, even now, sorry, Scott, <laughs> when I'm here in the podcast, like I have been saying it's hard for me to talk like the way and talk in front of pastors. You can't <laughs> can imagine. We're so intimidating. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> what you guys don't know is we're standing over and that's. <laughs> <laughs> but um, to change this mind, my mind, my chip, change my chip and say, like, I'm going to. You know, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to mm-hmm. talk with my friends. Yeah. Uh, that really changed everything. I feel really relaxed in here. And that's, that's something good. that was that's not awesome. happening before. And I can say mm-hmm. it has been helping me to enjoy what I'm doing for God. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that it's yeah. probably helping you guys to understand yeah. better, you know, what God is doing in my life and what God is, you know, want me to share with you. Cool. That is awesome to hear. And yeah. uh, you are a part of this, man. And uh, you've come a long way. I know you You are more comfortable now than you were when you started. Uh, but that's what we always have wanted this to be. You know, we're all just talking about you know, sometimes some pretty deep stuff, uh, but we're having fun doing it. We're amongst friends and we're talking about uh, what God's teaching us. So uh, these are the five questions. I'm going to just kind of review them here. Uh, how much of the current change is permanent? What do I now have permission to stop doing? What would I do if I was leading a startup? Where are we seeing real momentum? And how will I find a sustainable pace? I agree with the author. These are five questions that we should be asking. And and any leader can, but especially in the church that we should do as we're evaluating, right? Emily, where can they uh, get in touch with us if they want to say, hey, we've seen real momentum here or we've really been evaluating and we think we don't need to go back to what was normal before or something like that? You can find us on Facebook at the Worthless Servants Podcast and you can also find us online at mesoamericagenesis.org. Awesome. We'd love to hear from you. And we are the Worthless Servants. I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm Emily Armstrong. I'm Chelsea Fry. I'm Natalie Franco. I'm AJ Fry. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.